the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Getting interactive here on a Thursday where... We will be diving into the big old bag of mail where those of you who have left us a five-star review, put a question in that review. We'll get to some of those a little bit later on in the show. And as we have loved our relationship with the Cover 3 tailgate, we are going to be taking questions from the audience. Drop them in and we will grab those as we go. Plus, you know, some news and headlines from across college football. Let's begin has day train Danny lost all his money and oh, in Vegas, you know, it's so funny. I was thinking we're going to end up finding out about a stock market crash on the cover three podcast from people making day train Danny jokes. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, as I saw him in the tailgate and I actually did a quick Google during the intro video. I was like, is the stock market crashing right now? No, they're actually, I think those are Vegas references as yes. If you've been watching CBS sports HQ, uh, you have seen Danny Cannell all over that awesome CBS sports HQ set uh, right in front of the Bellagio. Uh, Tom in the tailgate says Danny has a system for blackjack. He doesn't tell his wife how much he loses. <laughs> I think he's free. he had his, he had his wife and a daughter with him for half of the eight day mm-hmm. stay in Vegas. I, th- I think that now he's off unhinged we'll see all right let's start so this morning the link went live youtube.com slash cover three and gregory jumped in right away and, and he got in a good one to get us started here on uh, a mailbag episode gregory says which 80s 90, 80s or 90s college football quarterback who did not get a legitimate chance at an nfl career would do the best in today's nfl offense my mind immediately goes to option quarterbacks like Tommy Frazier, but I don't know if Tommy Frazier, even in this modern day, would get a legitimate shot at an NFL career considering how little throwing he did in that offense. But I think the more logical place to turn to here is 
like at the beginning of the run and shoot kind of spread offenses we saw in that era where it was just, you know, like six foot guys and 175 pound guys just throwing a bunch of passes and putting up numbers. Those guys did not really get a shot in the NFL because the NFL was still very much in the, you got to be six, three, you got to be 225 pounds. You have to be the prototype build. I think some of those guys had they played now, like you look like Caleb Williams might be the number one pick in the NFL draft. And he is what? Six, one. Mm-hmm. So it you see Kyler Murray was the number one pick in the NFL draft and he's 5'11". Like you're seeing smaller guys get shots more than you ever did 30 years ago. So I, I would say those guys. I can't think of really any names off the top of my head though. How about Danny Warfel? He's 6'1". Yeah, but yeah. I, I just I, – I look at this of guys that were like probably stereotyped into running more like option offenses like Tom was saying – Danny Warfel threw how many passes in college? Like I think, like the NFL had a pretty good idea if he could throw or not, you know. And, and like the the arm was just really limited. He threw one thousand one hundred and seventy attempts. Mm-hmm. Like that's a pretty good sample set, you know. Like I I I don't know. Um, it's a good. Does the chat have anybody that they want to throw out there? Charlie Ward, like, they threw out. Does Doug up. Flutie get a more legit shot? Doug Flutie got plenty of shots. Yeah, yeah I was. Yeah. I was <laughs> Doug Flutie was the Bears quarterback for a while. Um, I was. I was just trying to think about the prolific run and shoot, uh, or or like prolific wide open, like you know, spread before it was spread. That mm-hmm. these 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 quarterbacks who would go in and who could make the right read and deliver the ball on time, right. and it's going to be those players where, like, yes, height might be a limitation, but. I mean, what's the? Or, I mean, are there NFL quarterbacks without awesome arm talent that are doing better now because it is less about being able to chuck the deep ball? Like uh, ESPN's Brooke Pryor does did a great story at the, the beginning of the NFL season called, about the death of the deep ball. It's just not yeah. as present in the mm-hmm. modern NFL game, and it's changed the type of quarterbacks that these coaches and these offensive coordinators are really looking for. Because if you can be a joystick quarterback and just go out there and deliver it on time. Then, yeah, that's that can be enough with all the other pieces around you. Like Brock Purdy, I ain't nothing special. He's playing on Sunday, right? But by NFL standard, obviously, mm-hmm. a very good college arm. Um, he I, still I, does I, all the same stuff now that he did in college. By the way, that's the funny part where he just kind of like the panic, silly, stupid throws. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Michael Vick got a shot. Here's yeah, one. Michael Vick that, was incredible. Yeah. Here's one. Right. This guy was the number one pick in the draft. But it was at the wrong time. Tim Couch, because he was at Kentucky under, you know, the, the Mike Leach, Hal Mummy, kind of the very first air raid to really reach, I guess, the SEC for sure. And he got the number one pick, but he went to an NFL where the offense was a completely different kind of what they were asking him to run in Cleveland was very different from what they had him running at Kentucky. You put him in today's NFL, I don't know if he's a star, but he probably has a better career than the one he had. I would agree with that one. So, Bishop, uh, here's one for you. Actually, this is one I thought about because, like, Charlie Ward is still like like size limited. He he ended up playing in the NBA, but I I think he would Charlie Ward would get more of a look in today's NFL. Obviously, if if you're dominating to that level, uh, what about Michael Bishop at Kansas State? He was seen yeah. kind of as a runner. They ran him a lot. Like he killed he could the throw. Yeah, he played what eight or nine years in the CFL. He was a seventh round pick of the Patriots. Like that, that's what I'll throw out. Like I, I thought that guy, 
fast forward you know, 25 years, he probably gets more of a shot than he did in 98. That's a, great probably a lot call. of CFL guys that would be good calls for this. That's probably who we need to look at, actually. Yeah. Like guys who the CFL was like, yeah, okay, you know what? We're not like super concerned that you don't exactly uh, play like John Elway. Does anybody, does anybody know? And the tailgate might have it. Does anybody know who the CFL MVP was for this past season? Uh, it was uh, no Chad Kelly. Was it? I was gonna okay. Damn it! I was gonna be my wild guess because I knew he was in there. Oh man, it's uh, <clears throat> Emery Hunt, uh, a friend of the show. You know he's like dialed in on CFL, and I've got other friends that are dialed in on CFL. But you know, I, sometimes it it requires Chad Kelly in the headlines for me to be able to jump in and be like, yeah, let's see what Swag Kelly's doing right now. I, I definitely think that Chip's point about about Couch and all those guys who played in the air raid. The NFL had no idea what to do with those guys mm-hmm. for a pretty good period of time. You know, like, I don't know about like Josh Heupel, but there's got to be some guys who played in that system you know, who had decent arms as well. Like, enough arm. Hey, listen, I know that we're like... Where is probably a really good one, actually. Yeah. You know, if we're going to talk about remembering some dudes, I did a little dude remembering uh, going back at Josh Heupel's college clips. Sick. I mean, I know that's not crazy talking about a Heisman Trophy winner, right? But you know, it's it was we we think about him as the architect of that incredible Tennessee offense. Oh, I thought we were going to get it. Jordan must. Oh be no, sick. Jordan's too busy looking up Gordon Hayward's stats, getting super hyped. Gordon Hayward's going to lead the Thunder to the second round of the NBA playoffs. All right, oh. from some uh, remembering some guys uh, oh. from the. Oh yes, one more. Warren Moon never ever plays six seasons in the CFL. Yeah. <laughs> you go straight to the, like, we, we, we don't need to be like by far the best player in the CFL for that long. Like, like he, Warren Moon is just clearly in. Yeah. That's a, that's I a great I don't call. think that was as much system as much as uh, Warren Moon being black too. At the time. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how we could separate that from the question. Like not to go all, all political, but like, I mean, True. If we're going to take 80s and 90s quarterbacks and the way that like NFL franchises were thinking at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right. From remembering some guys from college football's history to remembering the college football history, some guys that are going to be on your screen. You can watch it on CBS. You can stream it on Paramount Plus. There are all kinds of different options. Incredible coverage. CBS Sports HQ getting you set. CBS Sports Network as well. It is Super Bowl 58 from Las Vegas the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, you know, I've I've packaged this before by saying like let's go with the college angle. And Tom, if you've got like a college angle, that's fine, but we we're also we're also football fans. So like what what stands out to you when you're starting to look at uh the Chiefs and the Niners and the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday on CBS? College angle is there are more players from Illinois in the Super Bowl than there are Alabama. So, I mean, just wow. Zero from Alabama, right? That's my point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Alabama with zero players in the Super Bowl. The question is, did Nick Saban get out because he was already already washed? He knew the recruiting graphic this year wasn't going to be as appealing, so he got the hell out of town. Um, A college angle? Like, no. I, I feel like it is interesting. We did mention it earlier. Brock Purdy. Watching Brock Purdy at Iowa State, never at any point did I think he would be starting in a Super Bowl, but he is starting in a Super Bowl for the San Francisco 49ers, and it kind of reminds me of 
kind of the old Alabama teams before they got to the Bryce Youngs and, and the Tua's when they were just, you know, using the uh, Jacob Coker types where you, I look at the 49ers and I don't want to get into this debate, but like there was a lot of Brock Purdy MVP talk during the regular season when he was playing really well. And I thought that was ridiculous because, in my opinion, Brock Purdy's like the sixth most valuable player on his own offense. And I think that's what I look at when I look at the 49ers. They remind me of those old Alabama teams where they're just so strong at every single position. And then they have a good enough quarterback. They don't have a great quarterback. So that's that's what I'd like. And then there's then there's the Chiefs, and that's just Patrick Mahomes. I really there are no college equivalents. It's Cam Newton, but that would be disrespectful to the rest of that roster. So I don't know. I look at the Chiefs roster. I just see the Chiefs sort of like, oh, this guy's really damn good in college. Let's Willie Gay, him. Chris Jones, Trent Kelsey, yeah. like, <laughs> like, oh, this guy was just routinely one of the best players in some of the best leagues out there. Like, but they they have some good small school guys as, as well. But yeah, like 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 you said, w- Willie Gay and Chris Jones. Like, look, look at their offensive line: Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. It's like we we knew Trey Smith could play since he was like 15 years old. Now he had the was it a heart condition? Something, Something that caused like that. him to fall to like the sixth round. Mm-hmm. But the guys in all pro, it was one of those if healthy, yeah, guess what? He's very, very good. Drew, Drew Tranquil, right? Yeah, um, I mean, we, we, we can just, we can go down like what they have a lot of guys who had good pedigree and who are like played at a decent or above level in a major league and just picked them. They're like, yeah, you know what? That translates pretty well. Wanya well, Morris was like either a five or a high four star tackle. I, I assume he plays like is he in their actual lineup? He's on their roster. You know, Donovan Smith, Jawan Taylor. Uh, they they've got a lot of guys who who like body wise look like they belong, and they got some small school guys too who are doing a really nice job. And, and look, just just I think that they are doing the same. We were talking on the National Sign Day show about like offense, defense, like where are you just going to go for pedigree? The Chiefs have a lot of pedigree on defense, and it's like, and where are the guys from like? You know, like Isaiah Pacheco, Rasheed Rice, like yeah. you, it's on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, trenches, offensive line, obviously you're still going pedigree, but it's like from the roster construction standpoint, we have Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. okay? So we're yeah. going to use all of our assets to be able to load up at all these other places because we have Patrick Mahomes. And so that's where you see being in. Look, I think Isaiah Pacheco has proven to be, like Brock Purdy, so much better than his draft position. And so it's a take a flyer type situation for the Chiefs on the offensive side of the ball. But on the defense, it's like, we're, we're not taking flyers on guys. We, we want guys who have proven it at the highest level because if we can solidify that side of the ball, um, we've got Patrick Mahomes taking care of the offense. He just runs mad as hell. That's really what's that, that is the secret to Isaiah Pacheco. Running oh, Ryan, even Kel- Kelsey was from Cincinnati. Mm hmm. And that's like Big East American Athletic Conference. I mean, that's not, yeah. you know, Super 2 type status. So, um, very interesting. What about from the it picks for the game? Oh, right, let me do this real quick. Oklahoma leads all schools with six uh, players in on this active rosters, the official active rosters, the Chiefs and the 49ers. Georgia uh, behind the Sooners in solo second place with five players combined on both. We got two schools with four each. That would be Michigan and Florida. Again, shout out Jordan, the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders, exactly. with three players on the oh. active rosters. Uh, ten- <laughs> Middle Tennessee, yeah, there we go. <laughs> I was gonna say, why? Well, 
Penn State uh, also with three. Middle Tennessee has three. Penn State has three. Rutgers has three. And TCU with three players as well. Illinois with one. Alabama with zero. Which is more than Alabama. Mm -hmm. Is Florida State represented? Probably. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't see it. Is Derek Nottie still on the Chiefs? All right, so Illinois has more than Florida State, too. Wow. 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 Poverty programs showing up in the NFL. Oh, wait. All right, so Charles in uh, the Cover 3 tailgate, and I'm just going to take this as fact because (laughs) why fact check it? Charles says, crazy stat, a draft pick from Alabama has never scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Um, Julio Jones didn't score for the Falcons in that game. He might not have. Julio Jones never scores touchdowns. Speaking from a frustrated fantasy football owner for many years. Uh, I don't know. Wow. I'm trying to think. Like, Derrick Henry's never been in a Super Bowl. Mark Ingram, has he played in a Super Bowl yet? No. Amari Cooper? Cooper's never played in a Super Yeah, that, that could be true. I feel like I had a Devontae Smith anytime touchdown last Super Bowl that did not cash. So, Devontae oh, Smith. Sean Alexander did not score for the Seahawks? Against Pittsburgh? What about Kenny Stabler? Did Joe Namath score? (laughs) I mean, Joe Namath probably threw a touchdown for sure. Yeah. I don't know, Charles Clark. I mean, this this might be – oh, draft pick. Oh, um, I don't know. I'm just going to take – Charles Clark would never lie to us. I don't know why we would assume Charles Clark would lie to us. So everybody, whether it's true or not, spread that around on social media. Alabama has never had a player score in the Super Bowl. Are we counting Jalen Hurts? Oh, I guess he was not drafted out of he was drafted out of Oklahoma. So I would, I would, but right. I don't know how that really counts. All right, final thing, picks. Where are we going? I have um a a 49ers 12 to 1 future and a Chiefs 8 to 1 future. So I don't care who wins. I win. But I would go, I would go Chiefs, just Patrick Mahomes as an underdog. Like it, when you boil it down, it's Patrick Mahomes versus Brock Purdy. And I, I think the 49ers are the better overall roster, but I think the Chiefs have the better defense and they have the better quarterback. So I'm going Chiefs as well, man. I, I think they're more battle-tested coming through what they came through as well. Um, yeah, I was not uh, making picks back then. Maybe Tom was, but I just wonder if all these opponents are the Utah Jazz and the Seattle Supersonics and the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, I mean, just like we're incredible. Like, what was it? Jordan had to average 41 points per game in the 93 finals, and the Bulls won their four games by eight, five, three, and one point. Mm-hmm. You're just you're playing a part. <laughs> you're playing a part opposite yeah. uh, the the Jordan figure that we have in the NFL. All right, we'll do one more from the tailgate. This one was an early bird, so I want to highlight it. Carson jumped in early and said. Uh, with the Nick Saban coaching clinic not being open anymore, which I would always call it the Nick Saban career rehabilitation clinic, but you know, uh, will we see less finishing school for wayward boys, finishing school for wayward boys? That would be it. Will we see less coaching career turnarounds? Will we see as many Sarkeesians who should open a new quote coaching clinic up? Will there be less second chances? <laughs> 
I you're going to see turnarounds. I think the difference will be like Alabama was a different entity in that I don't think you're ever going to see a dynasty along the lines of what Alabama had under Saban again because like the one thing about the expanded playoff is yeah, it's still going to be blue bloods winning 99% of the time, but you're going to be kind of sharing it between the blue bloods at the time because nobody's really going to be able to establish the kind of dominance Alabama has. So that dominance caused schools and particularly the SEC to like hire every single assistant Saban ever had to try to get that Saban model at their own program. And Georgia's the only one that's really worked at, but that meant Saban was constantly having to churn over his own coaching staff, which meant a lot of the times he was going to the Sarkeesians and the Kiffins and the Bill O'Briens and guys who'd been previous head coaches. So I, you're going to see turnarounds and maybe Kirby can do something similar at Georgia, but I just don't think it's the conditions that led to this are ever really going to be seen again. The other thing is that I think staff sizes and coaching salaries are probably going to be shrinking or at least stagnating uh, within the next decade, if not sooner, because like the NFL doesn't have a million analysts behind the scenes. They have some, but like, they, <clears throat> you know, not, not every assistant coach has like, a, a guy that does the recruiting for him and, and a guy that does the film, like they just, they don't have that level of staff bloat all the time. And like the players are going to be making the money next. So they're probably like, one of the reasons they have these enormous staffs is because they got to spend the money somewhere. When the need to spend the money somewhere kind of dries up, you're going to see like a lot fewer new weight rooms and new facilities and new indoors and, and all, all the stuff that you really don't need to win. Like you don't need a football only facility to win. You just need the best players. So yeah, I think it probably will go away. If somebody, George is the obvious one to. to I think it's to. Texas. I think they're already doing it. Oh, because, because of what, well, I guess Sark benefited. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, well I've, and Kyle flood, Paul, Christ, Gary Patterson, you know, like we already have examples. He's got a new job. Gary's got Is a new it? job, but I was just saying like What's the doing? going to Baylor. Yeah. We we've already got the example of former power conference head coaches choosing Texas, which might be a resources, you know, it's, it's maybe Steve Sarkeesian paying it forward. Sure. But also it might just be where, where can I go and have a job with a talented team, big staff, Austin sweet. You know, I think, I think that, uh, Steve Sarkeesian in Texas would be the place where I would see it because I'll tell you what resources might be starting to dry up across the country, but one of the last places it's going to dry up is in an SEC placed Texas Longhorns football program. So uh, I'll I will say that it will be Steve Sarkeesian a benefit a benefactor of the uh, of the Alabama School for Wayward Boys finishing school for Wayward Boys. I think that that's where we'll find those similar examples. Speaking of Bill O'Brien. And speaking, maybe, even of Paul Christ, those are some of the names that have been tied to the Boston College job, which is reportedly nearing the end of its uh, search. We'll get into that, plus some more headlines from around the country and your questions next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. 
Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. So uh, the Athletics' Bruce Feldman reporting that the uh, search is just down to a couple of names, and one of them is Ohio State Offensive Coordinator Bill O'Brien. We remember on Wednesday's show that Ryan Day did not offer any kind of update to Bill O'Brien to BC, but if Bill O'Brien ends up staying in Columbus, Bill O'Brien would be the primary play caller. Um, Bruce Feldman earlier in the process reported former Wisconsin coach Paul Christ, Army coach Jeff Monken, Air Force's Troy Calhoun, uh, Boston College outside linebackers coach Paul Rhodes, who you will remember, former Iowa State coach, and then Al Washington, somebody who we mentioned for a while, Notre Dame's defensive line coach, former Boston College player, uh, also in the mix as well. Tom, you can uh, assume that it's Bill O'Brien. You could make a suggestion because I know that, you know, Blake James, the athletic director at Boston College, he's a big fan of the Cover 3 podcast, probably lurking in the tailgate right now. So what, how, how do you think that this thing's going to go or how should it go uh, for the Eagles? First of all, if it is Bill O'Brien, I'd like to remind everybody here that in the Cover 3 group chat, I texted Bill O'Brien like five minutes after BC came open to everybody asking you guys what you thought would Bill O'Brien leave Ohio State for the BC job. So if it is Bill O'Brien, I should get the credit for breaking it in the cover three group text. Um, I it This is what I was kind of expecting the direction for this to go as when we talked about this last week. This is a job to me that's either going to be a very young coordinator or even a position coach making a big jump up taking his shot at the at the throne or it's going to be a quote-unquote retread head coach and based on what feldman's reporting between bill o'brien and, and paul christ it seems like we know what direction they're going because they want previous head coaching experience i think bill o'brien could do a good job there like it is a very difficult place to win like you don't have a whole lot going your way as far as where you're competing and who you're competing against as far as the region you're playing in and that you know you don't have the most fertile recruiting ground in the northeast new england area as far as high school football although there is some but it's just it's it's nothing like it is in other parts of the country so you've also got some academic restrictions as a private school although maybe for football you know private school you can loosen those things a little bit but i do think that bill o'brien for As much as Alabama fans might feel about Bill O'Brien when he was calling the plays for that offense, when he was the head coach at Penn State, he inherited a very difficult situation and did a pretty good job, all things considered. He went to the NFL, and no, the Houston Texans did not win Super Bowls, but they won the division like every damn year and got to the playoffs with Bill O'Brien. He was the offensive coordinator for some very good Alabama teams. Like, I do think the man is a good football coach and he has shown the chops to build a good college football program. Maybe not to compete for national titles, but you're not competing for a national title at Boston College anyway. But I do think he could have a consistent and a bowl program that's getting to bowl games, kind of like what Jeff Halfley had been doing and been trying to do. And I think if that's what you're aiming for, Bill O'Brien's a good hire. And I think Paul Christ, I could say a lot of the same things about him. I think he could do it. So... I, I don't think either would be a terrible hire. I don't know if either is a super exciting hire, 
but this is a situation you're in if you're Boston College. I I think I would prefer to have Bill O'Brien because of the success that he's had in, in that region of the country. Um, the reports that came out regarding Wisconsin's recruiting um, when Chris was there mm-hmm. were, were not positive. Uh, so I I do draw I, – I don't have them in the same bucket. I, I really do think that, that O'Brien would be uh, a superior hire and, and maybe like materially so. Uh, so I I think I would prefer O'Brien. Like what if it's Chris? Like that means O'Brien's turning this thing down. Well, yeah, and I don't know that Chris is definitely the other name. Like I was giving you all the names on the initial report, and then his follow up is that they're they are down to two, and one is Bill O'Brien. The other one's a mystery candidate. Mystery candidate. Yeah. But he like, also I'll said they want it. previous head coaching experience, right? So I, that's going to eliminate quite of the few guys. So it could be Munkin. I don't know. Probably not an emergency podcast if it pops tomorrow. Okay. Would you rather have? Wait, which Munkin? Uh, Jeff. Jeff from. Our- I don't see Todd right. Munkin leaving the NFL. Right. I said there's Boston no College. way I'm leaving. Yeah. Okay. No offense, Eagles fans. Wait. I thought he was with Baltimore. Yeah, he's the OC at Baltimore. And there's no way he's leaving the NFL for oh, Boston Eagles. College. Boston College Eagles. Yes, 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 yes right. Yes, yes, you yes, got yes, your yes, birds yeah. confused. Yeah, and I did your get my birds confused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of birds, do you think Chip Kelly's going to end up at the Seahawks and start this never-ending coaching carousel again? I heard, uh, isn't the scuttlebutt that he might end up at Ohio State if Bill O'Brien leaps for the Boston <laughs> College kick? <laughs> Which... Now there's that'd be a new trend to talk about a sitting head coach at a power two school leaving to become the offensive coordinator at another power two school within the same league. In the same conference. Yeah, that would be interesting. But I do think Chip Ke- I I do th- I don't think Chip Kelly will be the UCLA coach on win week one next season. Jeez, and who takes what does that say about that job? You you're gonna get paid. <laughs> Maybe. How did UCLA turn into a take the checks, take the losses gig? Because they didn't want to like like be the left behind and take no checks. Mm-hmm. Man, I, look, I, I don't think it needs to be a take the check, take the losses gig. Totally. I mean, it probably will, at least in the short term. But I think some of this is Chip's fault. Kelly's. Yes. <laughs> no, yours. No, no, no. The carousel spinning is my fault. I've already taken. Well, that is true. I, I've already taken full responsibility for that. I, I am dealing with the consequences of of that in this moment. Yes. I, I mean, I am hoping that he stays at UCLA for entirely selfish reasons. Because if UCLA opens, that's a Big Ten job. It's UCLA. And we start to think about, you know, who would take that job? Who would the candidates be for that job? The, the staff already got raided. Right, I mean, yeah. key coaches from that staff and in, in last year are are gone elsewhere. So it's not like I've got a coach that I can say, oh, they'll just promote them and they'll take it over, and he'll probably have like a two to three year run. Then they'll be able to reset everything. But this is a this is a very key time for the Bruins football program. And if Chip Kelly up and leaves for either an NFL offensive coordinator job or even like more dramatic, the Ohio State offensive coordinator job, I mean that's. That is um, th- that is more about UCLA, I think, than our conversation that we've had about everyone's leaving college football. Like that's that is him just trying to get get out of that specific gig. 
I will say going to your take the check, take the losses job, like UCLA has had good seasons, but it's never been like, you know, a dominant program. Like if if you look at the last 30 some odd years, it's generally been between a six and eight win team most years. Like they've had a couple 10 win seasons and some nine win seasons, but I don't know. I just think the margins. Kelly's only 35 and 34 there. I just think the margins are so small that they would quickly, and especially if they were rudderless at this key time and they're running into these other big 10 programs that have, that are going to be in year two, year three, year four of recent hires that they would just find themselves, they would find themselves losing to Purdue, you know, like they would find themselves falling behind some of these other programs that uh, already are going to have a more than a head start on them. So very interesting. We'll keep our eyes on that. Uh, again, Chip Kelly, you know, in the mix for offensive coordinator jobs at the NFL, and then maybe even a domino play uh, if Bill O'Brien does end up getting that Boston College job. Can I say who one gets, thing? Who gets UCLA if Chip leaves? That's what I was asking. I don't. I don't have a immediate yeah. answer. One, one quick thing I want to say, like I Jeff Halfley restarting the clock. Chip Kelly would leaving would be restarting the clock. I get that. I'm not going to be like there's a panic button. But you don't often see college coaches reset their clocks by leaving for NFL coordinator positions. There well, is something to be said about it. Like Bud, I, I'm oh, for the purposes of the conversation, I, Bud had a really good way, um, if I could like summarize it, there are a lot of college coaches that want out. But Bud, mm-hmm. what, like you were saying. Not all of them, yeah. The NFL doesn't want them. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that's great, guys. Oh, like, oh, my gosh, there's a panic. All these college coaches, they want to go to the NFL. Well, guess what? There's A, not that many jobs, and B, the NFL prefers its own pipeline. So all these coaches could be complaining and saying everything's awful, and I'm going to go to the NFL. Well, guess what? Someone's got to offer you a job for you to actually get there. So, yeah, like, it is very tough on college coaches right now, but I don't know how many jobs are available. And the fact that if Chip Kelly doesn't – he interviewed for the Raiders. He was reportedly in the mix for one other. And then there's the Seahawks. Chip Kelly doesn't get it. Chip Kelly was an NFL head coach. Um, Mm -hmm. But my my point is not like, again, I don't think that this is a, a disaster or an emergency where it's like, Oh my God, all these college coaches are going to leave for the NFL because Bud's right. There's only so many NFL jobs and they have to want you. But the fact that so many coaches want to leave for the NFL, whether or not they can is a statement about the current situation we're dealing with and why there's going to be changes coming and why there needs to be changes coming. Cause you can't have a bunch of guys who don't want to be there sticking around and are only stuck mm. there because they have to be either. It's not well, good for the game. They could go coach high school ball if they wanted to, but they would take a 90% pay cut. I mean, they could, like Don Draper said, that's what the money's for. Like understood. Yes, you have a difficult job and you're paid to do a difficult job. Understood. But my point is that <clears throat> yes, they get paid a lot. Maybe you don't see as many people getting into coaching the more they hear about how difficult the job is. So I do feel like we need the people say that the current system isn't sustainable. I think it goes back to the television deals in the 90s. I think that wasn't sustainable then. And we finally reached the breaking point of the wave where we really need to see significant changes in the sport, not just because coaches are pissed off, but I think this is just another symptom of a lot of the flaws in the sport right now. And a lot of the problems underneath the surface that need to be addressed and will be addressed in the coming years. We've always had coaches want to leave for the NFL. It's just always been for different reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, like it used to be for the money, right? And then TV contract exploded, and now it's like, oh, we make so much money, but we have so many responsibilities. 
then it's just to not recruit. Yeah. Yeah. And which has only been um, supercharged because now you've got to recruit your own roster and recruit the portal and recruit high school. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think even some of the guys who the NFL might want, the NFL wants them in a reduced role, which comes at a reduced salary oftentimes. And like we talked about on Wednesday's show, cost of living is way different in Starkville or Lexington, Kentucky than it is in Los Angeles or mm-hmm. Tampa. You know, it, but also, as you were talking mm-hmm. about a couple minutes ago, coaching salaries in college are probably going to be dropping here mm-hmm. in the future. So when the salaries are much more commensurate and the, they're not making as much and they're not happy with the situation. Well, Tom, you also said something that I haven't done a good job of highlighting, which is that if some of our potential best and brightest aren't even getting into the industry because of the way that things are shaping up, then that the sport is going to be suffer. Like there will be a degradation if coaches who would otherwise be helping lead these programs, going on their own development, you know, becoming head coaches down the line. If we are just not getting those people, then yeah, I, that is something that is not great in terms of the sport getting better and better on into the future. The talent is getting better and better, but if the coaching is starting to really drop off, and I know, I, I know recruiting. Are we seeing is, that happening? It's a, it is, I think it, there is enough, um, I think that there is enough evidence of discontent at the coaching level to guess that a former college player who's looking at going into commercial real estate or coaching is like, mm, I'm going to do commercial real estate. You know, like, I, I well, that's, I, there's enough there that I think it's not crazy to at least wonder. I, I think this is a really short lived problem. I you hope know, so. It's, yeah, I, I don't think that the, if, if, if there was actually reason to think that this was going to go on for decades or something, then I think maybe you get a, a coaching talent drain. But I have a really hard time not seeing guys be employees and under contract and have an inability to, you know, have freedom of movement because they bargained it away within the next five years. So I, I'm just wholly unconcerned with that as a real problem because we have like, what, two years of, of, First of all, I, I don't think there's many, many talented guys not entering the space currently. If the, if this were to continue for three or four more years, and then could, like in the reputation of this built up even longer, mm-hmm. then maybe. But like, it's very clear something's going to pop. An LRB, one of the court cases, the leagues just say, saying, "Hey, like, let's have a paid division and a non-paid division." Um, that I, I just. I don't know. It feels like off-season talk to me. Hey, I listen, I hope you're right. I, I will say that. I hope you are right. Um, what about this? lead one? to more innovation, too, within the sport. Don? Oh, yeah, but if more innovation if you're more flexible, for sure. Well, just coaches, churning coaches, coaches retiring younger, newer voices and opinions coming in. It could lead to a lot of different cool things, too. Don said, what's the pay di- differential between the Ohio State OC job and the BC or the UCLA head coach job? <laughs> Might not be that much, honestly. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I I think that, let's see, Chip Kelly, I think is making six, which is certainly a lot more than what he would get as Ohio State's offensive coordinator. Yeah, but he's only guaranteed how much of that right now with the buyout 10. Correct. If he goes to Ohio State, gets like a four-year deal at you know three and a half million or whatever. It's, yeah, but 
I don't think Ohio State's going to pay him that much. Yeah, I think Ohio State's more of like a one to yeah, two. Because you're taking that because you just want to be a play caller, offensive guy, and you don't yeah, want to just want to get out of the being head coach. Yeah, yeah. Like if I'm paying my coordinator that much, he also needs to be somebody who is a legitimately good recruiter. And Chip's I think Ohio made plenty of money. I think Ohio Oregon State offensive coordinator. Now. Yeah, I agree. I think Ohio State offensive coordinator is the least in terms of salary. I think Boston College head coach makes more than Ohio State offensive coordinator. What was Halfley making at Boston? It was about four from reports, right. but we don't know for sure because it was a private school, so they don't have to list it. I was when the question came up, I was like one point five to two Ohio State, four Boston College, five to six for UCLA head coach. Those would be the way that I would guess it for the pay differential. But like you said, Boston College, we're not quite sure just based on um, everything with the uh, being able to get all that information. BC does have some some NIL. By the way, yeah, it's how they like, kept the defensive line together. Yeah, exactly right. Like uh, there were some power programs who came after some of their D linemen last year, and they were able to kind of fend them off. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's you get a better job in Syracuse or just same bucket, same bucket, same bucket. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what uh, I I think there's more fan interest at Syracuse, so you might be able to increase your NIL from that aspect. Which again, I love that we're making fans pay for it. Now. More, more journalists, good, you know, more but, journalists, you know, more yeah, journalists yeah. out there. <laughs> more propaganda. More propaganda to be <laughs> get cute. you into the playoff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> real maybe quick, some television analysts will flip recruits to your school. I don't know. Oh. Um, uh, real quickly, looking at um the what we're going to talk about Michigan here on the other side, jumping into the big old bag of mail. What do you make of uh, Jim Harbaugh's continued raid of Michigan's coaching staff? And what are the Wolverines going to look like uh, in terms of Sharon Moore's first year as the full-time head coach? I think it matters. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> particularly because Sharon Moore does not have some enormous coaching tree mm-hmm. from which to pluck. Okay. Like I, I think lo- losing the strength coach, losing Elson, the, those guys – I think that matters, man. Like, well, like, we I, knew Mentor. So, like, we knew it was Mentor. And then the interesting thing is Jay Harbaugh doesn't even go with Jim. Jay goes to, uh, what, the, the Seahawks, the right? The Seahawks, yeah, with Mike yeah. McDonald, who he has a relationship with. Right. Um, but then all of a sudden, like you mentioned, Elston is, uh, you know, going to be up and gone. Might be looking at Wink Martindale as the new defensive coordinator. It you keeps know. the Ravens to Ann Arbor pipeline going strong. You know, I'm I, – I'm, I'm just sort of curious at, at what we're going to be looking at as Sharon Moore has to fill all these positions. It's a tough spot. Um, I don't know, but I don't know if you have any like recruiting insight on this. Is is Michigan just Michigan at this point? Like you're just you're recruiting to the brand. Like you're not even as concerned about the specific recruiting skills of all of these head coaches. I mean, I'm a little bit concerned, but it is a. I think it should be a priority. Like Michigan. As a brand, yeah, but part of the whole thing with, with with Sharon was like, hey, we're gonna recruit even better than we have been. So yeah, I, I'm I don't I'm not freaking out about this, but I am curious as to who's gonna fill certain roles. Uh, I, I want to see this is where promoting from within from a guy who is as young as Sharon is uh is difficult because he may not have as many connections. Now maybe he can help like maybe Jim and um the other Harbaugh in Baltimore. Maybe they can kind of help them. Uh, hey, th- these guys understand the system we run. They fit. 
I, I could totally see that, which is why I'm not freaking out, but I am you know, a little bit like, oh, okay, this is interesting. I have a question for you, Chip. Going back to one of your classic bits here, would Sharon Moore still have Jim Harbaugh ranked above God after he rated his coaching staff? I mean, look, I, I it has been expressed. Sharon Moore cried tears for you, man. And this is how you treat him? How are you going to do him like that? Jim's a proud Michigan man. And then he's just taking all the toys away, mm-hmm. making life really difficult. Maybe, maybe he's so sinister that he wants them to not be great without him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do not think that at all. I, I don't think that's true, but yeah. I don't think that's true whatsoever. But, you know, as, look, Jim Harbaugh, ultimately, being truthful here, Jim Harbaugh wants to surround himself with as many people that are going to understand the Jim Harbaugh way of doing mm-hmm. things to give Jim Harbaugh the best chance to do Jim Harbaugh things with his return to the NFL. Also, so not surprising. And like, I, I understand some Michigan fans are going to be mad at Harbaugh for doing this. But if you look at it from Jim's perspective, like you just said, Chip, it's not just that Jim wants guys who understand Jim around him. It's that since Jim left the NFL for college, however, five, six, seven years ago, whatever it was, now it all blends together. The NFL's changed a lot too. Jim Harbaugh doesn't have the deepest, you know, coaching tree in the NFL at this point either of guys he can just bring in. Like he, you know, so he does kind of have to bring some guys from college because if you look around NFL coaching staffs now, like they're all Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan dudes. It's like there really isn't a whole lot of connections there. Were you on the Redskins staff that had like nine head yeah. coaches? You know, like, yeah. Jay Gruden, shout out to you. You assembled a staff of superstars. And how did it go? All right. So speaking of Sharon Moore, speaking of Michigan's national championship, there are ongoing investigations into the Michigan football program. And we will touch on that as we dive into the big old bag of mail. Next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Back here on the Cover Three podcast, is that a is that a sparkly Stanley? It's not a Stanley. It's actually uh, first of all, no no free ads, but it no is. Ads. Uh, it's less than the uh, less less expensive than the Stanley. Also, it fits in the golf cart cup holder. That's all that matters. Stanley does not. So does yeah, this. actually, that that is important. The Yeti does not fit. Um, no free yeah. ads. Yep. Contact us at Bud Elliott CFB at gmail.com. That's some of us, some of us walk the course, Bud. We don't need a cart. 
I, I, Tom, I, I want to invite you to come down to Florida in the summer and uh, walk into our fine courses we offer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's die. Hey, actually, we haven't uh, gotten a chance to. So when you go and leave us a five-star review and put a question in that review, we throw it in the big old bag of mail. So let's open up the mailbag. Ryan says, hey, guys, love the pod and usual pleasantries. Back during the summer of 2021, I asked who would win a title first, Michigan or Notre Dame. And if I recall correctly, most of y'all thought Notre Dame. That one hurts as the family is rubbing it in. My question, most of my information on the sign-stealing scandal comes from usually inaccurate claims that I read online or in the comment sections on Reddit boards. My favorite is the one about all this being vacated soon. And then you guys made the joke about it Monday. So I am curious, what's the current status of the investigation? And is this a big enough allegation that would cause the title to be taken away? For me, it just seems like overblown silliness, but I was hoping you guys could frame it better for context. And again, like we we get a lot of questions here. Sometimes, you know, you get Lindsey Buckingham. We don't always get to you. This one was dropped right after the national championship game. So that one would be when he said Monday, he was referencing a, a show from January. So the question is, do you think the national championship will be vacated? Yes. And everybody on the team should be in prison. Okay. <laughs> no. no. Okay. Uh, no, I, I mean, as far as the people who actually believe that, how do I say this? <laughs> there are a couple media members who are like serious water carriers for the NCAA, and they're like, no, postseason bans and, and vacating titles are really still on the table. Uh, and I don't really take those guys seriously because, much like I don't think Tennessee is going to get the death penalty, even though. Technically, that's on the table. Same thing here. Like, I just, I, I think that, I think we're sort of post crazy punishment for the most part for these big time power programs. Do you know who else would probably step in and be like, yeah, we're, we're not going to set that precedent that these things can be vacated? Fox? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say the Super Two Advisory Board. The stab right. is not going to yeah. stand for that at all. So the, mm -hmm. the, the Fox ESPN Advisory Board? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I so for an update on the investigation, they are both still ongoing. We have, you know, notice of allegations for one case, which the NCAA, the cheeseburger, you know, recruiting and coaching during the COVID pandemic that was impermissible. That's going to run through the entire like go to, you know, fake court. And they go see you do a hearing in front of the committee on infractions, and then they're going to hand down their penalties. Uh, they have already self-imposed some penalties, including the three-game suspension for Harbaugh, a one-game suspension for Sharon Moore, which is actually one of the most significant pieces of this because Sharon Moore has already served one game for one of these NCAA investigations. The big reason why you level up your expectations of penalties for the second case is that you would be like the Tennessee situation on a repeat violator type status. But my expectation is that they will pin uh, a lot of this on Connor Stallions. I think that they will Jail. hit Harbaugh with 
um, the head coach responsibility, which is a level one, it's a ridiculous, in my opinion, is a ridiculous level one NCAA violation that if anybody on your massive staff violates any NCAA rules, you yes. also receive a level one violation. Jail. That is bananas. I think that Jim Harbaugh might get hit with a show cause, which is about like the biggest thing that like, the gr- biggest head coach penalties that you have gotten in NCAA violation history are a show cause penalty. And guess what? He's going to serve it in the NFL. Will you it know, be as long as the Alabama baseball coaches? 13 years. Is that what he got? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Which, by like, the way, like, I, don't, I don't really think they need to Im- implement that. Although again, given the way we hire some coaches, maybe they don't, but um. My question is, like, can the NCAA even vacate it? Because it's the college football playoff. It's not the NCAA. Like, they don't have any say in it. The NCAA's recognition of Michigan as a national champion potentially could. I Who knows? Maybe they even do call into question certain victories. But here's what they're not going to do, is they're not going to be able to call into question the Big Ten championship victory or the college football playoff semifinal victory against Alabama or the national championship victory against Alabama or basically anything that happened after Connor Stallions officially resigned in early November. Yep. So all the games that mattered and the college football playoff, to your point, Tom, acts entirely on its own. It is literally an invitational. So Michigan was invited to the college football playoff and won the college football playoff, which is the national championship, the way that we treat this, and so even if the NCAA decided to vacate victories, I do not believe that they will vacate the national championship. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, go to uh, this next one from the big old bag of mail. Mullet PWR. Talking a little Texas A&M here. Long time listener. Love what you guys do. The only college football podcast I need. My big old bag of mail question. What should realistic expectations be for Mike Elko's first year at Texas A&M? And how long will it take him to get us to a playoff berth, if ever? Um, I don't think it would take you that long to get to the playoff, considering it's expanding. So as long as you have a decent season, I think you're probably going to get there at some point. Uh as for 2024, I really think a lot of it depends on Connor Wegman. But it, you you look at their schedule, and you got Notre Dame to start. <laughs> That's at home, but it's still Notre Dame. You're opening SEC play at Florida, which should be a win. But once you get into the heart of the SEC schedule, you've got LSU, you've got Texas, you've got Auburn. You don't have Alabama. You don't have Georgia. So if I'm a Texas A&M fan looking at this schedule – I'm expecting at least eight and four. Like if I get that, I'll be maybe not thrilled, but okay, cool. That's a good place to start and maybe better. So that's where I would be. There's a real chance Texas A&M is favored in 11 games Mm -hmm. in Mike Elko's first year. Like our partners at FanDuel have them favored right now over the Irish by one and a half. So not, not much in the swamp after a bye week, probably have a decent chance to be favored there. Hosting Arkansas, or sorry, neutral against Arkansas, but still neutral against Arkansas. At Mississippi State, they'll be a favorite. At South Carolina, most likely a favorite. At Auburn, most likely a favorite. But potentially, we need to see what Auburn does in the portal. 
Are they going to stick with Peyton Thorne? Because Auburn could be a big spring, could be a big spring portal team. Just, just a guess. McNeese State, Bowling Green, hosting Missouri. Who are you picking in that game? Because I'm, I'm taking AM over Missouri with the games at Cal Field. Hosting LSU, we'll see again what happens with LSU, New Mexico State, and then hosting Texas November 30th. They're probably a home dog to Texas if I had to, to kind of sketch this out because Texas on a Texas on a neutral right now on FanDuel is 10 and a half over Oklahoma, which mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not saying I agree with that, but just what Vegas would have this. My expectations for Texas to make the playoff this year. Wow. Okay. Like oh, if, I'm an, if I'm an A&M fan, right? Like this is from an A&M fan perspective, educate, or from an A&M fan perspective. Wait, wait did you almost trip up and say an educated Texas A&M fan? And then you no, I just not to say that. <laughs> I'm trying to say it cleanly so we can cut this for a short, you know, come on, it, cook King. Let's go. If, if, if I can A&M, read and I like the Aggies. <laughs> If I'm a Texas A&M fan, I'm expecting to make the playoff because I think my team's going to be favored in 11 games. So, like, Mike Elko has to cash in immediately. It's very similar to the Jeff Brom situation last year at Louisville. They made it to the conference championship game. He had a, by ACC standards, cakewalk schedule. By SEC standards, this is a cakewalk of a schedule. You don't play Georgia. You don't play Alabama. You don't play Oklahoma. You don't play Tennessee. I mean. Three. I can't rule it out, but I don't know if that's my expectation going into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm more realistic. I'm trying to be like I don't want to put. It's not my expectation. Yeah, but I mean, it's like I look at what's happened to the last few A and M coaches, and maybe I'm just looking myself in the mirror if I am an Aggie and saying, "All right, maybe let's temper expectations a little bit and not put so much pressure on these guys from the start and say, you know, we'll take an at-large bid if we can get one, but we're just we're just trying to have a good season and build the foundation." I I. I think I'm going to say three years is what I would, if Texas A&M fan is talking to me, I would say three years because number one, I really like the coordinator hires. You go get Colin Klein as your offensive coordinator. You go get Jay Bateman as a defensive coordinator. What I saw from Mike Elko as a head coach at Duke is that even under awful circumstances from a personnel perspective, they came out prepared. They came out prepared like in terms of your, you know, film room pregame pe- preparation, but also just like mentally where you need to be to compete at the highest level. And so I do think that college football playoff appearances are in Texas A&M's future under Mike Elko. I just think that if I'm power ranking SEC programs, I've got Texas A&M fourth at the highest, and I'm not positive that the SEC is getting four teams in. So I will not go all the way in. On, Bud's got a very, very good, more scientific explanation. I just would pick other SEC teams to fill at-large playoff spots before I get to Texas A&M. Give them three years. Yeah, I I do worry about the psyche of Aggie fans if they do make the playoff, though. Like, because <laughs> then you want national championship. Remember how easy it was their first year with Menzel? It's like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, because that was their first year in the SEC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that as much it's as easy. It's a, it's a group SCDs. of people prone to conspiracy theories. And I just feel like if they get things going their way and there isn't a big conspiracy against them, they might have an identity crisis. They need to be left out. Yeah. It's it's part of who they are. Yeah. Hey, look, I mean, Jimbo will tell you, you finish as the first team left out, you get a contract extension. <laughs> it's a great, <laughs> great way to keep working on that buyout, the way they handle things there in College Station. Um, oh, right. I just thought about something. 
What'd you think about? If Ryan Day loses to Michigan, it's still Ross Bjork. He's gonna just give him an insane extension no matter what. Like, like I really I really want to see these contracts being doled out at Ohio State. You mean like coaches and players? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or or will Jimbo be coaching at Ohio State next year? Stay tuned I, to find out. Jimbo Fisher to UCLA. That nah. could be the most ill-fitting hire in his history. Yeah, that would be, I mean, that would be awkward as hell, but I, I, I'll i take it from that angle. Yeah, I mean, entertainment purposes, sure. Why not? Um, eh, I will save that one for another time and uh, and and make sure you go ahead. Trading in the cowboy boots for a quarter zip and polo. and <laughs> be perfect. You know, uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad we didn't do a whole show on the Super Bowl. We weren't, we were never, we never have. I know, but it like, I, I see others. I'm like, I'm not going to click on this episode today because I don't want to hear like 70 minutes of, of the Super Bowl from the college perspective. I don't know. Do you guys know about Taylor Swift? Have you heard about this? I have. She's apparently dating one of the players in the game. The, have you heard about this? The amount of coverage this gets is is appropriate from a traffic chasing perspective, but also like a little like, okay, this is kind of silly. No, 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 no. Banger. Those are the, the most insightful comment about any of this. <laughs> was Tom Fernelli who said, I don't know if you've ever been to an open mic night, but the poets, the people that are being tortured aren't the poets. <laughs> Just saying tortured. Uh, how much she's worth? What billions? I don't know how tortured she should be at this point. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the Super Bowl Sunday you can watch it on CBS. It is America's most watched network. It is the network of stars. You can stream it on Paramount Plus where there's a mountain of entertainment. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. We are all very excited about it. And we, of course, uh, will be tuned in. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at BudElliott3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.